Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, and we are broadcasting live on March 21st, 2023 from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Today, we're going to learn more about the school voucher bill that's sailing through the state legislature. It's called HB1. It passed the Florida House on Friday, and it would allow nearly all students to attend private school with a voucher from the state. Some of the big concerns are about how much it will cost. Nobody can seem to agree on the right number. Here are some of the numbers that are being tossed around. One group says it'll cost $4 billion, but the Senate says it's going to cost $646 million. The House $209 million. So who's right? We might get closer to that answer today, I hope. And uh, how much funding it will take away from public schools is another concern that people have. And I want to hear what you think about this bill. We're going to take phone calls and emails and text messages today. So please sign your name on the text. I'll give out that number in just a second. Do you have kids in public schools or in a private school? Do you receive a voucher to attend private school? I want to know about your experience and why you support or why you oppose this bill. Here's the number to call in, 813-239-9663. We'll probably get to calls in about, we'll start in about 20 minutes or so. You can also email us anytime at dj at wmnf.org. You can text 813-433-0885. Again, please sign your name if you are, are texting in. This hour, we're going to hear some short speeches by Republican and Democratic legislators before they voted on the voucher bill. But first, let's hear how one reporter summed up the news about education bills moving through the state legislature. Valerie Crowder from our Florida Public Radio partners at WFSU in Tallahassee produced this story about the Florida House passing three key, guilt, three key bills on Friday that would affect K-12 schools. The bills passed along party lines in the Republican supermajority chamber. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe from the studios of WMNF. Here's Valerie Crowder's story. HB1 would give nearly all K-12 students in the state the option of getting a school voucher to help pay for private school tuition, homeschool, or other educational expenses, regardless of income. Cost estimates in the House and Senate are more than $400 million apart, while the Florida Policy Institute has estimated the expansion could cost billions of dollars in the first year. Regardless of the price tag, Democrats are arguing that the measure is financially irresponsible because it would transfer funding from public schools to private ones without holding those schools to the same standards. If students leave public schools, funding goes with them. Here's Broward Democratic Representative Robin Bartleman speaking during a virtual press event Friday morning. We are using our taxpayers for a product that You know, kids could have negative learning gains every year and we're going to continue to funnel our tax dollars into that school when our paramount responsibility is to provide a uniform system of education. Arizona Senate Democratic leader Mitzi Epstein says what proponents describe as universal choice is a, quote, budget buster. Our leadership last year and our majority side decided to expand vouchers without funding it. And now we have a 200 or 300 million dollar hole in the budget for right now, it could extend to as much as a billion dollars. And our entire budget is only 15 or 16 billion. So this is just a hole. Republicans say the measure will ensure every child has the opportunity to attend the school of their choice, even though some private school tuition costs much more than the amount that vouchers would cover. Another Republican bill that passed along party lines Friday would put a proposal to reduce school board term limits before voters next year. 
Last year, the legislature set school board term limits at 12 years in a row. This measure would propose lowering that to eight consecutive years. Here's House bill sponsor, Hialeah Republican Representative Alex Rizzo. This bill does not preclude anyone from running again. Democrats have expressed opposition to reducing term limits for school board members. Orlando Democratic Representative Ana Escamani brought up another measure in the House that would make school board races partisan. I can't ignore the fact that these two feel connected, that there is this conscious effort out of this legislature to make school board races partisan as quickly as possible and then to roll off the current members as quickly as possible so that what are no party affiliation positions today become partisan positions tomorrow. And I don't support either one of those. I think it's really important to let locals make those decisions on their own. Also clearing the House Friday is a bill that revamps the state's insurance industry by making changes to how payouts are calculated and shortening the time frame for an injured person to file a claim. The proposals must get through the Senate before heading to Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm Valerie Crowder. Well, thank you for that report, Valerie, from Tallahassee. And that's a summary about the education bills that passed the Florida House on Friday. And the rest of this hour, we're going to focus on the first one, HB1. It's also known as Universal Vouchers. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe, broadcasting from WMNF. And again, I want to hear what you think about this bill. Do you you receive a voucher to attend private schools, you or your students? Do you have kids in public schools or in a private school? Or maybe not, but you just want to let us know what your experience is and what your thoughts are about this bill, HB1, Universal Vouchers. We're going to hear from some legislators in a second about what they were talking about from this bill, but we're already getting some comments. Again, if you would like to comment on this program Shoot us an email at dj at wmnf.org or you can text 813-433-0885. Please sign your name and you can give us a call. We'll be taking calls probably in about 10, 15 minutes. 813-239-9663. So Greg writes, getting real in hashtag fascist Florida. Teachers are fleeing and they're scraping the bottom of the barrel Had a report today that my son's substitute had his whole class in tears yelling at them. She was obviously inexperienced and was threatening to give kids referrals for the laughing and the crying that she caused. So that's a a report from Greg out there in cyberspace about public education being destructed in what he calls hashtag fascist Florida. Also, Ted in Elfers says that school vouchers are like a Ponzi scheme for the rich. Churches don't pay any taxes, but they get tax money. It's all a capitalist joke. So that's what Ted out there thinks. What do you think? 813-433-0885 is the number that you can text us at, or you can email dj at wmnf.org. Well, let's hear from some of the legislators. Right before they voted, they got up in, in floor debate on the House floor. Again, this still has to go through the Senate, which it will probably sail through as well, maybe as early as this week, but we'll keep an eye on that, of course. Republicans and Democrats, we're going to hear from in the next half hour or so. Here's what they said before they voted on the bill on Friday. Let's start with Tampa area Democrat Fentress Driscoll. She represents parts of Hillsborough County. She's the House Minority Leader of the Democrats. So here's Fentress Driscoll. You're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. First off, I want to make clear that we understand that Florida students are incredibly diverse. 
And that diversity is best served by having education options. But Florida has school choice already. We have traditional neighborhood public schools, as well as magnet, charter, and private schools, Florida virtual schools, and homeschooling. There's a seat at the table for every educational option, but there's no reason for corporate schools to steal food off the plate of our local neighborhood schools. This is taking money away that should be going towards our public schools. This will upset the balance between our educational options, potentially crippling our public schools. The American school system is intended to be a great equalizer. It certainly has been in my life. Quality education should not be a luxury of the wealthy, powerful elites, but that's what could happen with this bill. The average private school in Florida costs $8,000 or $10,000 per year and goes up to four to five times that. This program would pay $8,000, leaving families responsible for the remainder of costs and other fees, and low-income families won't be able to afford that cost, let alone transportation, but wealthier families will. This means that their money is pulled out of the school system, and we could see an education segregation between the haves and the have-nots. Our public schools work as a public good, with everyone contributing to their success. But once you start taking money out of the school, $8,000 at a time, you start to cripple its ability to provide for our kids. Proponents of this bill say they can give kids a better opportunity. They sell this dream to communities across the state, but the facts tell a different story. Arizona did this last year, and it has been an unmitigated disaster. The majority of the families applying came from the wealthiest zip codes, and the overwhelming majority were not in public schools before the vouchers. This is a handout to wealthy parents, not a hand up to kids who need it. So it does not keep its promise to help kids from struggling communities. The families taking the money were wealthy enough to have options for their kids already, and they were already in private school. So this was just a nice bonus check from the government. And as we talk about in this chamber all the time, there's no such thing as free money. All those checks to affluent families added up. So their first projected costs were around $33 million for the first year, and then $57 million for the second. Now they project it could be a billion dollars by 2025, 2026. Arizona has one third of our population. Their budget is only $16 billion. Do that math. We do not need to make the same mistake. We can learn from what we've seen. Arizona's universal vouchers did not cause a mass migration from public schools, but it did cause a migration from public tax dollars to these private for-profit schools. In the coming years, they will need to make some tough budget decisions, and their elected leaders will need to answer questions for the vote they took last year. Here in Florida, I'm confident that everybody who votes no on this bill won't have any problem explaining their votes three, four, five years down the line. We don't need to know, or we do not know, what the effects of this massive change will be down the road. Will putting Florida families on the hook for the extra tuition, transportation, and other costs make it possible for many families to take advantage? Will this just be another handout to the rich and powerful? Will the costs run wild like in Arizona and the next two, four, six budget cycles are thrown into chaos as we struggle to find the extra billions of dollars to pay for subsidizing millionaires' private school tuition? We just don't know, and that's not acceptable. We should not gamble our children's education and our state's budget on this corporate school windfall and this welfare for the wealthy. Haven't we done enough experimenting with our kids? High stakes testing interfered with our classroom teachers and tormented kids for two decades before families finally put their foot down. Common Core was lauded years ago by the governor at that time before it was demonized and wiped away as being too liberal. We still have no idea how many personnel are carrying guns on school campuses from the Guardian program. 
And the plan to combat the teacher shortage by fast-tracking veterans without complete educational training, championed by the governor, netted us seven new teachers. I say enough experiments, enough rolling the dice with our kids. It might not be a sexy headline grabber, but we could just do the simple thing that would help every kid in public school today or in the future. We could fully fund public education. We could fully fund public education. We could take ourselves out of the bottom in per pupil funding and teacher pay. We could make sure teachers don't have to spend their own money on classroom supplies. We could get out of the way and let them do what they've dedicated their lives to doing as my mother dedicated hers for over 35 years. Teach our kids. A couple of points I wanted to correct. We do close public schools, they get an F, we reinstate the schools or reconstitute them, get teacher, different teachers, and we can do that because we have test scores. There's no provision in this bill that would allow us to close a private school for poor for performance. The second thing is, members, we have to take a hard look in the mirror. To the extent that there are any problems with our public schools, our traditional neighborhood schools related to funding, that responsibility and blame lies with us. I urge you to vote no on this bill. Thank you. That's Hillsborough County Representative Fentress Driscoll. She's a Democrat from Tampa who is the minority leader in the state house. What do you think about what she said? You can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can text us at 813-433-0885 or you can email dj at wmnf.org. Lots of people are writing in. I'll get to some of those in just a second. And I want to remind you that you're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, the host. It's 1019 in the morning if you're listening to us live. And uh, we're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa, a community radio station that is listener-sponsored and and commercial-free. And it stays that way because of donations that you, our listeners, make when you go to WMNF.org and hit the tip jar. We're going to hear next from Republican Randy Fine from Brevard County. So that'll be uh, something to look forward to hearing. While we're listening to him, you can think about what these listeners wrote in. So Karen in Dunedin wrote, I think vouchers are wrong. She says, improve the public schools with tax dollars and the lottery. I'm, I uh, I was homeschooling, but I had no problem paying taxes to support education. I made that choice. So thanks to Karen in Dunedin for that comment. Also, David writes, Although I supported Step Up for Students in the past, I cannot support the universal vouchers proposal being pushed now. It's going way beyond the original mission of helping provide high-quality school choice options for low-income children in struggling schools. It's going way too far and will be much more expensive than renter claims. It's also going to help rich people pay for their kids' private school tuition, even though Richie Rich can easily afford it. So that's the comment from David. And you're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, and we are taking your email thoughts, dj at wmnf.org, or you can text 813-433-0885. Please sign your name. We're talking about HB1, a universal school voucher bill in Florida that passed the Florida House on Friday. will be set up for the Florida Senate coming up very soon. And here is, we just heard from Frentress Driscoll, who is a, a Democrat from Tampa, the minority leader in the House. We just heard her. Now let's hear from Randy Fine. He's from Brevard County. He's a Republican representative. He voted for HB1, Florida's universal school voucher bill. Let us know what you think. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe from WMNF. Here's Republican Randy Fine. Um, I normally like to speak at the end of debate. But my speech today actually has an audience of one, and he apparently is going to go to lunch fairly soon. 
So for seven years, I have left since he was four years old to come to Tallahassee for 60 days a year, as well as six committee weeks and special sessions and all of the travel that's associated with this job. And since he was a little boy, he's asked me, why are you going? Why do you go there? Why do you do this? And so now he gets to hear why. So David, when your father was two years older than you, when he was in seventh grade, he was one of the first kids in his county to be able to take algebra in seventh grade, something I expect you to do as well. <laughs> and the teacher did not like this very much. He didn't think a seventh grader should be in his class. And so there was a test in the fall in that class. That test, this was a public school, uh, Morton Middle School in Lexington, Kentucky. And he had a test in the fall. And it was an algebra test. Um, and he went in and he didn't take the test because the test was held on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar. He missed the test. He had an excused absence. But when he came back, the teacher gave him a zero on that test because the teacher said if that was a real holiday, everyone would have it off. School wouldn't do anything about it. He was able to do that. But this kid, he was pretty determined. He said, I can overcome that zero. I'm gonna work harder. I'm still gonna get an A. And he, and he did. But that teacher let other kids at the school know about that little Jewish boy. And they figured they would take care of it themselves. So 19 times over the next two years, that public school failed to take care of that little boy when he was beaten up and other things I won't bother to share here. Now that little boy begged his parents, get me out of that school, out of that school, send me anywhere. But there was no other choice. His parents loved him, but they didn't have a lot of that school. And he said he will never allow that to happen to his children. So when David's older brother, Jacob, turned six, he went to a public school run by the government. And in that public school, he was told one day, he, like his father and his brother, is pretty good at math. He was able to do pretty advanced math in his head. And he came home school and he told, was told that he too had failed an assignment. Now, it wasn't because of anti-Semitism. He was told that he failed an assignment because he did not do math in the way that the school wanted it done. It didn't matter that he could do third or fourth grade math in his head. They wanted him to learn it the way that they wanted it learned. I said, this is crazy. Who cares? If you can figure it out in a set with principal, principal tells me if your son wants to be successful in public school in the state of Florida, he's got to learn to hate math. So I said, you know what? I'm going to break a vow that I made, which was I'm going to send my kids to public school. So a few days later, we took him out of that public school and we put him at a private school. And you know what? It wasn't hard because I had gone and I had had a 22 year successful business career and I'd made a lot of money and it wasn't a problem for me to go and put him in that private school, Holy Trinity Episcopal Academy, where David goes today. But guess who couldn't go to that school with Jacob? Every other child who was in that class with him who wasn't being taught math. You worry about children being left behind? The rich kid didn't get left behind. It was the poor kids, the kids who were like me, who got left behind, who did not learn math, who were behind forever because they weren't learning math the way that they were supposed to learn.
You worry about regulating schools, how they are regulated. We have the best regulator in the world of what you call voucher schools. It is their parents. If I don't like how the school that is teaching David works, I can take him out. But you want to know what happened to the public school when I took my son out? Absolutely nothing. There was no accountability. We don't close government-run schools in this state very, very rarely. But if people stop going to a private school, they go away. It is the ultimate form of accountability. They have to answer to parents at all times. We even heard from Representative Robinson. I thought the public school system is supposed to provide a great education for every student. In a speech opposing the bill, she made the case for it. It failed one of her siblings. This is why we need to have school choice. Education is a miracle. It is one of the few things we can do as a society to help people of a certain station get to a different place. I'm who I am because of the teachers that I had. Even though I had that horrible experience in seventh and eighth grade, when I got to high school, I had teachers who came to my wedding, who know my children, who knocked on doors for me, who drove down from Kentucky to Florida to help me get elected. They, along with my parents, made me who I am. Education is a miracle. It is something that we are obligated to provide to every child, however their parents think it is best. We have a choice. Do we trust the government or do we trust the parents? The choice is very, very simple. So David, when I ran, I made a commitment that I said that by the time I left the house, every child in Florida would have the choice to go to any school they wanted, get all of their money, and whether it was public, charter, virtual, private, whatever it was, they would be able to do that. Many of us in this room have made that promise as well. HP1 delivers on that promise. Every child, every dollar, every form of education. This allows us to bring the miracle that you have and that I didn't have to every child in this state. I encourage you to vote yes on this bill. Well, that's Brevard County Republican Representative Randy Fine, who voted for HB1, Florida's Universal School Voucher Bill. And I'm asking people what they think, and I'm glad people are really responding. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to get to everybody's messages uh, in just a bit. I won't maybe read them all right now, but I want to remind you that you're listening to Tuesday Cafe, broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa, Florida. And I'm Sean Canan the host of Tuesday Cafe. You can text us at 813-433-0885. Please sign your name. You can call 813-239-9663 or email dj at wmnf.org. I'm asking people what they think about HB1, about universal vouchers. Getting a lot of negative responses so far. If there's anyone who supports vouchers, please let us know. Universal vouchers, that is. Florida already has vouchers for private schools. Uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of people can take... I don't want to say take advantage like it's a bad thing, can can use these vouchers and, and go to private schools with public money. Uh, that's a very common thing here in Florida. This is making it so that almost everyone will be eligible, essentially raising the cap on income very high. So um, let me read a couple of these emails. So Bubba writes, Randy Fine is the worst. 
He's the architect behind the hostile takeover of New College. He's a BS artist. I will not use Bubba's word, but Bubba says he's a BS artist. And ironically, New College has always been very Jewish friendly, so he should support it. So that is what Bubba says. Will writes, the last thing to do is to take funding away from the already underfunded public school system. This is nothing but the theft of taxpayer dollars for the sake of profit. My grandmother, who was the principal of Seminole Heights Elementary for many years, is probably rolling in her grave. Just more crony capitalism in Florida is what Will writes. So thanks to everyone who's written. If I haven't read yours yet, I will get to it. I want to move on from Randy Fine. We just heard a Republican. Let's hear from another Democrat Orlando area Democrat Anna Eskimani was speaking before the HB1 vote on the House floor on Friday. Here's what she had to say. Again, you're listening to Tuesday Cafe brought to you by WMNF. Members, I want to echo the comments made by my colleagues already with our concerns about this huge expansion of the voucher system in Florida. And I first just want to start off with, I'm a proud public school grad myself as well, like many folks in the space. I went to Orange County Public Schools, K to 12. I would not be where I am today or who I am today if it wasn't for my educators. It was my AP government teacher, Mr. Norris, in my senior year of high school who actually reignited in me a love for politics and civic engagement. You can love him or hate him for that. But he really was a transformational person in my life and still one of my biggest cheerleaders to this day. And unfortunately for him, he actually had to leave the public school system to teach at a private school just because of how difficult the pay was for him. And we're seeing that exodus of educators from the public schools right now. And it is due to issues like the over-politicization of our schools, like the low pay, like the workload. You know, there's been a, a protest in other states where teachers have just worked to what's in their contract and they can't even do half their job, right? So, so we need to do more, absolutely, to invest in our public schools to ensure that we are being able to uh, have those transformational experiences like my teachers did for me um, back when I was uh, in elementary, middle, and high school. And I'm really concerned, and, I, and I've spoken to the bill sponsor about this too, just what the impact of this policy kind of underestimates its financial impact. You've heard the examples from Arizona and others, just the huge influx of, of families to apply that don't even go to public schools today. They already go to private schools. And that's a huge cost on the public system. And it allows for families that don't even need the financial benefit to get the financial benefit. And I just targeted government support structures and really trying to ensure the money goes to the right place. And we saw the ability and is going to folks in a targeted, intentional way. Um, I really appreciate the points about our kids with special needs. Again, we all know that in the public school system, fighting for IEPs is a real issue that we need to address. But this expansion concerns for families with kids with special needs that it's not going to meet all of what their support programs are as well. And in fact, Florida has a huge wait list with the Agency for Persons with Disabilities. I would love to see this body help eliminate that wait list where we have adults and young people who die while waiting for services. And that's not okay. So this prioritization where we'd rather 
privatize the public school system as a means to try to solve these problems versus invest where we know the problems exist um, doesn't sit well with me. And I asked some questions yesterday just about the curriculum um, because we do require a lot of our traditional public schools, a lot of requirements around how a building is structured and the safety of those buildings, uh, lots of curriculum standards. This session, we're going to be debating a bunch of bills that impact traditional public schools, impact libraries and so forth. And yet when it comes to the private sector, we don't have any of those requirements. We don't put into place really much accountability at all. And we're talking about our tax dollars going into these institutions that I know they're called private schools, but some of them are pretty much set up to be publicly funded. Um, and I want to highlight a comment made about, you know, the, the nonprofit that also manages these systems. I mean, this is almost like a monopoly structure in statute today. So where's the competition and even just the processing of the voucher system? Um, these are all issues that I'm sure we're going to have to address in the future because we're not addressing them right now. Um, I also just want to, again, speak to the issues around curriculum because I think it's important that we do teach some really basic elements of science, of history, and I'm concerned that's going to be left behind with the direction that we're going um, with this huge privatization. And and again, I, I, I asked this question yesterday, Mr. Speaker, around just the potential for discrimination, especially with LGBTQ plus kids, kids with disabilities, um, kids that maybe struggle in any educational environment because they don't have that parental support. I don't want to see kids get shuffled around, which can also be really interrupting to their education experience and I am concerned that when you have private schools that can pick and choose and public schools that really can't we're we're kind of falling back into the years of segregation it might not always be based on race even based on something else but I think that's also something we should be concerned about because kids are much better when they get to be in diverse environments and learn from one another I know that was a true blessing for me um, I wonder if somebody were open up a big woke school with this money, if y'all would have the same concerns that we do on accountability. If a school, a private school was opened up where CRT was the emphasis of every members, element members, and members, they had rainbows members. in every classroom. Members, be respectful of the uh, debater, please. No finger snapping. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if you know people like rainbows in the back. I guess, but um, but yeah, like I do wonder if you know if it, if it went in that direction, if you want to echo the points we're making, because I feel like that's the vibe when we talk about what's happening in our public schools compared to the private schools. It's actually perhaps a point that we all have similar concerns just in different ideological categories. Um, and so, you know, with that said, let's find what we have in common. We all want to make sure our kids are healthy, safe, and strong, that they're going to be successful like everyone in this room. Um, and I'm very concerned that the current structure we have in this mass privatization, that that's not what we're doing, Mr. Speaker. Um, and I, I don't want to come back here next session having to fix the problems that we're creating. Um, and with that, I will yield the rest of my time. Thank you so much. That's Orange County State Representative Anna Escamani, a Democrat, speaking Friday before the House passed HB1. That's Florida's universal school voucher bill. It still has to be uh, voted on in the Senate. And as far as I can tell, there's no schedule yet for when that will be voted on. 
Um, the, it's passed through a couple of committees. Let's see. Here's what we know about the Senate on the Appropriations Committee. In um, on the 16th, it was voted 12 to 6 in favor. In the Appropriations Committee on Education, it, on the 8th, it was voted 9 to 4 uh, in favor. And in the Education Pre-K Committee in February, it was voted 9 to 3 in favor. So um, I think those were probably along party lines. And so, but it has not yet been scheduled, it looks like to me, from what I can tell, for a Senate vote yet. So we'll keep you posted as the weeks go on or the days go on here uh, to find out when the, um, the Senate bill, that's the accompaniment of HB1, that's called, by the way, here's the number for it. Um, it'll be on our website as well. Uh, how did I just lose that? Oh, SB202 is the accompanying bill in the Senate. So we'll keep an eye on that and let you know. But we kind of know how things go in, in the legislature because there's a super majority of one party. And so when there's things that are favored, they oftentimes sail through. So that's kind of what we're expecting and we're expecting it to be signed by the governor as well. But I am keeping you posted on what people are saying about this for and against HB1, the Universal School Voucher Bill. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. This is this, I'm Sean Canaan, and this is WMNF Tampa that's bringing you this program. We're going to hear right now from, uh, I'm also, oh, I should probably read some, uh, some people's thoughts about what's going on right now before we get too much further. We're going to hear from Allison Tant, a, a representative from Tallahassee in just a moment, but let's, let me read some of these things. Lenny in Gulfport writes, uh, once again, you talk in depth about critical issues in local and state. So thank you for, for pointing that out, Lenny. About the school voucher bill, do you know when the Senate will hear and vote on this? As I said, um, I've heard, this is what I've heard as early as this week, but I haven't seen any dates yet. So I'll keep you posted. Here's a text message that comes from Rick in East Tampa. He says, closing schools for poor performance political performance or skills and knowledge performance, he asks, what are we comparing our failing schools to? Another failed school or are they compared to other public schools in Japan or Indonesia? These are ultimately our school competition. Perhaps all Florida schools fail by that comparison. How do you judge a failing school? So thank you for that comment and, and those questions, Rick in East Tampa. Well, let's get back to talking about HB1 and hearing what legislators are saying before they voted for or against it. Here's Allison Tant. She's a Democrat who represents parts of Leon County, and she voted against HB1, the universal school voucher bill. Here's what she had to say before the vote. Again, you're listening to Tuesday Cafe brought to you by WMNF in Tampa. Members, uh, let me tell you about uh, what we went through as a family. When Jeremy and my son and his twin brother Jonathan went to pre-K, we were, it was supposed to be a pre-K program for children with special needs, Head Start kids, and typical kids. They immediately denied Jeremy services for, for speech therapy. Then they had a big meeting where they denied him services for OT, occupational therapy. Jeremy's condition makes his... Uh, it, it has a direct impact on fine motor skills. So that was an important thing for me. So I got to work with the school district on it. They, they pushed us off and pushed us off. So I did what many of us have talked about here. I did school choice for him. And I moved him after a, after a year or two into a response to intervention school. I also moved his twin brother to a charter school. 
So the first one to come back to public school was my son Jonathan, surprisingly enough, because he wasn't learning math or, English or reading. The amount of remediation and private funding I had to put into, and the school had to put into, bring him back up to grade level was enormous. My son Jeremy came back to private school after this, after the private, at public school, after the private school said, we've done all we can, we just can't teach him. And by the way, his matrix score at that point got us $11,000. He was a 254, which is now pays $22,000. And they charged me another seven, 8,000 on top of that. That's a lot of families can't do that, can't make up the difference. So what I'm telling you is that when my child came back to, when my children came back to public schools, much to my chagrin, by the way, that was not something I really thought was going to be the right fit for them. I found that, in fact, that it was. And I, my experience is not unlike so many other families. 35% of students with disabilities, or students who go to charter schools, voucher schools rather, come back. 35% in the first year, 62% in the second year, 75% in the third year. And when they do, the schools have to take them because it's a take all comers situation and they're held to account. When those students uh, come back, even if they come back in March until they, and edu get educated till May, the school is responsible. The school grade relies on that. The teacher grade relies on that. It is patently unfair because the, stu the teachers haven't seen the students. Furthermore, with my son and my, both of my sons, uh, they excelled and they did well. I have since become the go-to person in my community when somebody has this experience. And what they, what unfailingly I find is that, and it's particularly with some of our more disabled children, they come back to public schools woefully behind, I'm talking three years behind at a minimum academically. Further, when they come back, the public school has no record to go on for how to even start to educate them. So that's a massive issue for us. Um, what happens there is the school has to then spend a ton of money, the public school system has to spend a ton of money helping them. That's also patently unfair when a student, when the student has not been served. And let me tell you a little bit about families like mine, moms and dads like me. We are anguished. Our moms and dads want their children to be valued and served and treated like everybody else. And we are then fodder to be preyed upon by some of these entities who tell us what they think we need to hear, and they do so very well. And then when we entrust our most precious being, most vulnerable member of our family to them, they don't get served. When they realize they've lost years for their children, it's painful and it's wretched. And I can't have a manual of rules that is about that thick. Private schools have a few pages. Voucher school. Teachers have to be the same qualifications in both entities. Accountability has to be the same in both entities. Learning grade, uh, had learning grade gains and learning losses have to be treated the same in both entities. That's a really key issue for me in this bill. Our public funds are precious and they've got to be safeguarded. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
That was Democratic State Representative Allison Tant. She's from Tallahassee speaking Friday before the House passed HB1. That's Florida's universal school voucher bill. And I'm asking people what they think. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Have a ton of emails and texts to get through, but let me give out the the information just one more time. DJ at WMNF.org. If you'd like to email me your thoughts or you can text 813-433-0885 if you have thoughts about universal vouchers in Florida or HB1 uh, as it is called in what passed the state house on Friday. Uh, we're going to hear from another legislator or two before the top of the hour, but let me, here's what you have to say. Jerome writes, I can't think of a public servant that is liked or appreciated by everyone. It doesn't feel like a good time to do that kind of job. And Jerome says that privatization is winning. So thank you for that, those thoughts, Jerome. Appreciate that. And, um, This is Larry writing in, emailing in that says, Democrat, senior citizen and St. Pete native against this bill for all the reasons that you've heard. He says that Florida's education has already been, has always been underfunded. It steals money from the taxpayers. So thank you for that. Those thoughts, Larry, St. Pete native. And Debbie in Plant City. Hi, Debbie says, great Democrats. They're right on during the pandemic. My family had... Uh, good public schools to a good Christian school with the help. All right, here we go. My family had to switch from good public schools to a good Christian school with the help from the Step Up program. I believe the program raised the maximum income requirement recently to include more families that struggle. This is quite enough, is what Debbie says. We do not need to fund the wealthy, but build up our public schools and bring back the books and everything woke, if that's what it's called, with a smiley face. I say no to all of these bills. So thank you for those thoughts out there in cyberspace, Debbie. And Will writes, the argument about parents being the greatest regulator is all well and good until you see some of the situations that some people come from. Not everyone has loving parents parents who can care, who care. I've seen it firsthand while coaching high school football. All this will do is widen the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Thanks for those thoughts, Will. I'm gonna get to some more emails after we hear from others. Oh, wait, here's one more I wanna read quickly. Marion writes, I am a retired public school special ed teacher and worked there for 25 years. Marion, thanks for your service. I would like to know if there are data regarding the number of students who leave public schools for private schools only to return because the private school did not provide appropriate services. In my opinion, public schools have never been fully funded or staffed. And this is one of the main reasons that public education has declined. So thank you for those thoughts, Marion. Yeah, that's definitely something that Allison Tant was talking about when um, her students, her, her kids had issues. They went to private schools and they found that they were not getting sufficient help in the private schools and they returned to public schools. So uh, I will try to look for that data, not during this show, of course, but I'll try to focus on that uh, in, the, in the coming days as we talk more about school vouchers. So thanks for those thoughts, Marion. I appreciate that. If you'd like to weigh in, 813, here's the text number, 813-433-0885, or you can email DJ at WMNF.org. And I apologize, it sounds like some of these, um, the audio has some technical glitches. Apologies about that. Um, I'm gonna post the, the full audio and the full video on our website later this afternoon. All right, well, you know, I'm gonna skip one for, for now because I wanna make sure to hear from another Republican. We've already heard from about two or three Democrats. So let's hear from one more Republican, at least by the end of the hour. 
And we will hear from, here is Republican Ralph Masulo. He represents you if you live in Citrus County or in parts of Hernando County. And he's a Republican. Here he is talking right before he voted in favor of HB1. Here's why he supports it. You are listening to Tuesday Cafe, broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Members, my parents always told me when you, when you start a discussion with someone, you should look for points of agreement. And listening to all of you today, I think we found on this bill a lot of points of agreement. When I first started this process, like Representative Buchanan illustrated to you with his debate, my main goal in coming to this legislature was to improve education. Because I knew if we'd ever get a handle on improving poverty, improving the welfare and well-being of our citizens, both their health and mental health, improving productivity in our, in our state so we could have a prosperous state, and also just improving the lives of each and every individual child that they would be successful it had to start with educational choice. I didn't hear one person in the back row say that they were against choice. Because they know choice works. Choice is important. And it's important, why? It's important because we're all unique, we're all different. Each child has their own abilities, their talents, their interests. And actually sometimes they have their unique abilities. And there's no one better to recognize those than the parents, the parents. So here's where we differ. We differ in our philosophy of education. Some of us believe the parents should have the right to direct the education of the child, no matter what. They should have the system as such that it accommodates each and every child. Well, that doesn't work in today's world, and I'll tell you why it doesn't. But in today's world, the rate of change is exponential. They're going to have to develop a love for learning and an ability to be adaptable and dynamic because what they're going to be able to do today is going to be totally different than what they'll do in 20 or 30 years when they're in the middle of their, their careers. And choice enables them to achieve those goals better than anything else. And how do we know that? Because competition works. Competition makes public schools better. Competition makes private schools better. And the other systems that we actually are encouraging by these education savings accounts. How do we know that? How do, you know, Florida has been doing choice now for 30 years. And what kind of results have we seen? Florida is ranked fourth in the nation in improvement of eighth grade reading. And these are stats after COVID. Florida is ranked sixth in proficiency in fourth grade math. Florida is ranked seventh in the size of fourth grade reading, moving poverty children ahead. Florida is ranked eighth in improvement of fourth grade reading, and we want that even to be better because we want Florida to be number one in each and every area of learning 
because we know that's how our children will become more successful. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in a brick and mortar public school, private school, magnet school, charter school, if you're learning around your kitchen table, if you're learning in some garage, or perhaps even on a factory floor. What matters is you're getting the education that is particularly unique for your particular needs. This bill empowers parents to do it with safeguards. We have safeguards in this bill that actually protects children from schools that fail. We have safeguards in this bill that promotes public schools to be successful. We have safeguards in this bill that actually encourages public schools to reduce regulations, improve the ability to increase certification of teachers, to alter the transportation system to give more flexibility. It's all, it's all in there. And it will work in concert with some of our other initiatives. Our goal isn't to degrade public education in this state. Our goal is to improve it. But our philosophy isn't just public education as much as it is educating our public. And that's what good government is. That's what's going to work for our children. And that's why I support this bill. And I thank Representative Tuck, Representative Placencia for bringing it, and the Speaker for his courage and vision and allowing us to hear it. That's Ralph Masula, a Republican in the Florida House who represents people in Citrus County and parts of Hernando County. He was speaking before he voted in support of HB1, Florida's Universal School Voucher Bill. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, broadcasting from the studios of WMNF Tampa. I'm going to read more of what people thought in just a second, but let's try to squeeze in one more. We'll hear now from Democrat Tay Edmonds. He's from Palm Beach County talking about his thoughts on HB1. This is Tuesday Cafe on WMNF. There's something my mom always told me, and she used to always say, if something isn't broken, don't fix it. Our public schools are not broken. They are just unsupported, and they are constantly under attack. We review over 2,000 bills each session. How many bills actually are in support of our public schools? Session after session, well, this is my first session, but session after session, we see harmful bills attacking the public school systems. I, myself, am a product of public schools. Many individuals who have spoken today have said they are products of public school. So we can all testify that public schools have created some of the best and brightest leaders here that sit on this floor. There are many reasons why I oppose this bill. I would say first is the financial part of it. Over $4 billion diverted from public schools to these voucher schools. Now, I have the opportunity in my county to work in almost all of the Title I schools. And anytime you walk into a school, whether it's the staff at the front greeting you when you walk in, to the cafeteria later, lady, the bus driver, or our educators. They all say they need support. They all say they want help. 
And how do we respond to that? We say, let's give voucher schools money. That is our answer, and that has been our answer. Members, I've had the opportunity to speak to many of you. There's 120 of us, so not everybody, but I had the opportunity to speak to many of you. And I know all of you are very intelligent. When are we going to put our brain power together to help fix our public schools, to help support our public schools? We all collectively must think it has to be crazy for a teacher who gets paid $48,000 before taxes to go in their pockets to pay for paper and pencils and pens just for their students to learn math, reading, and writing. We have over $110 billion in the state of Florida. We have more money than some countries in this world. When are we going to get together and say we have to devise a plan to not destroy public schools, but support public schools? If it wasn't for a public school, again, I wouldn't be here. 85% of Florida children attend public schools. 85%. So what are we saying to those 85% of those students here today? What message are we sending? That we don't care about you? That you're not valued? That the school you go to is not going to help you become successful? That you need to withdraw yourself and go to a voucher school for you to be successful? And we're saying that to 85% of students that attend Florida schools. 61% of students who go to a voucher school return back to a, of the students who go to a voucher schools return back to a public school within two years. What are we doing here, members, when we could be trying to find a solution? And that, I rest. Thank you. That's Florida House Democrat Tay Edmonds, who represents parts of Palm Beach County, speaking Friday before the House passed HB1, Florida's universal school voucher bill. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe on WMNF in Tampa. The bill is expected to spend about $8,000 per student that leaves public schools, taking that money from the public schools to send it to the private schools. It was supported 83 to 27 in the Republican-controlled House. Its companion to HB1 is SB202 in the Senate, which will see a vote as soon as this week. We're not sure exactly when. An independent group said the cost would be $4 billion. The House estimates $646 million. The Sorry, the Senate estimates that it'll be $646 million. The House estimates that it'll be $209 million. So huge discrepancy there. Well, you're listening to WMNF Tampa. Please stay tuned for Wavemakers on, um, uh, with Janet and Tom. They'll speak with Jeff Johnson, the president of AARP Florida, about housing, transportation, and the state legislature. This is Tuesday Cafe coming to you live on March 21st from the studios of WMNF Tampa. Thanks for listening, and thanks to everyone who contributes at WMNF.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. Chinese President Xi Jinping has held the second of three days of talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Xi and Putin have spoken of each other as friends, and China has again urged peace talks for the war in Ukraine. White House National